Hello and welcome to Knowledge Engage, the podcast of the University of Nottingham's Institute for Policy and Engagement and welcome to another COP26 themed episode. My name is Ben Sherwood and today I am joined by Dr Sharmila Samsara who is a Senior Research Fellow at the University and today we're going to be largely talking quite a bit about net zero aviation and how we might go about electrifying the system one might say. So Sharmila, thank you so much for joining me today. It's really, really nice to have you. I was wondering if you could just start off by telling me a little bit about yourself and the research that you do at the university. Hello, Ben, hello everyone. It's my pleasure to be here. I am working in the Institute of Aerospace Technology of the Electrical and Electronics Department. And we're undertaking like really very high level research on uh, aircraft electrification. And the goal is to develop technologies for future greener aviation. Brilliant, which is a very important thing, a very hot topic at the moment, especially because at the time of recording, I'm very aware of the news that I read a lot yesterday of people getting private jets into Glasgow for COP26. And I think I saw a scary stat that the carbon emissions from all of the planes coming in for this conference are greater than the whole of Scotland for the year something scary like that. So this feels like a very valuable area of research that you're doing. (laughs) With that in mind, then, I've probably just given away a bit of it, but what do you think is so important about achieving this electrification of aviation? So personally, I, I really enjoy flying and I love science. And I am also very passionate and deeply value the environment and the climate. Yeah. I don't see, I like the science to meet the environment and to be used for the betterment of uh, the future without actually compromising on flying on getting to know places, people, culture. I think it makes us broader, open-minded. And I understand the what you referred to as using the jet planes coming to Glasgow. But the thing is, like right now, conventional aircraft, as we know it, is very polluting. Mm. And it's a very exciting time because we're having the possibility of actually changing that and going towards a greener, more sustainable aircraft. And that to using science to do it by improving technologies so that to fly and to do it sustainably can go hand in hand. Yeah. And that I am very excited about. It's, it's a beautiful time to work and to contribute to a more sustainable future. Yeah, it seems like a very enviable position to be in that position where you can bring about a very key bit of change. Because as you just said, like, Being able to visit other places so easily, which flying does allow you to do, is very important. And I'd hate for us to kind of solve the problem of the climate crisis by also preventing people from visiting the world, seeing the world, expanding their horizons and, as you say, stopping them from being closed minded. So, yeah, this does seem like a very exciting area of research that you're involved with. So what part of this electrification are you particularly focused on? Yeah, so it's quite broad if you want to talk about net zero aviation. There's lots of research going on, different sectors. For instance, to make it sustainable, like we're talking about a sustainable aircraft uh, fuel, for instance, using biofuel. Mm. That's one part of it. And then there's also having more energy storage on board, so that uh, which can be charged hopefully from renewable energy. And the other thing uh, which is important as well is a third aspect is like we need to reduce the consumption of power of energy on board while we are actually flying. So our my uh, work really is to make the electrification of the power system to be more efficient. So I think people do understand more of the shift that is happening right now for road vehicles, for cars. 
so that we see the shift happening from conventional to electric cars, which is really fascinating. And it's the same kind of approach we're having for aircraft. So it happens like uh, when we use pneumatic system, hydraulic system on the airplane, it has lots of losses. So you're carrying fuel and transmitting throughout the system of the aircraft, but we're losing much of the energy we're carrying as well. So what we want to do is actually change the conventional power systems on board by making it more electrical from generation, distribution to utilization. And the power losses that happen is very small. So that makes it more efficient. So that's mm. why a lot of work, like especially what we're doing at the Institute of Aerospace Technology, is around electrifying the electrical power system for aircraft, modern one, and then also future ones. Yeah, getting them to be more efficient is, that seems to be a recurring theme in a lot of areas, this need for efficiency. So current conventional aircraft, there's quite a lot of power wastage then, is there? Yes, because we are still using much of the conventional so pneumatic and, and hydraulic ways of transmitting power. Although electrification has already happened with the Dreamliner, for instance, and the thing is like, we want to extend it. So there's a concept of more electric aircraft that we have started working on. So from conventional aircraft, where we are at the stage is that to make it more electric. So by changing the systems, making it more electric. That's the first stage. I think there's quite lots of advancement being made on it. For instance, if you talk about the ice protection uh, system on board, which has been done with bleed air and uh, conventional sources, now it's being electrified. So there's lots of efficiency we can have through that system. And, and the good thing also about electrification is that we can apply control system to control how much of energy is being used where by including intelligence to it. Like just to mention, uh, one of the projects we're doing now uh, with Leonardo Aircraft and the university is to introduce a, a supervisory control that's really like a mini brain. And then instead of, of having a big turbine or, or big generator, we have a smaller one. And if it needs like those, you know, peak powers, like during the flight, if you need like to have a, a surge of peak power, what it does is like instead of needing to design a bigger generator, it will just take that power from a battery that we need, that we have incorporated in our design. So by having another battery, we don't need to have uh, such a big generator anymore. And that supervisory control knows that, okay, I'm needing more power right now. And the generator is not designed to give it to me. So I can take it from uh, these batteries there. And so this this control system that we are designing to make it really optimized and to make this power flow from different sources of energy on board possible. And that's also a very benefit of uh, electrical power systems that we can use over conventional systems. That's really interesting. And I personally had no idea that kind of stuff was already happening. So I assume, I mean, I don't like to assume that everyone thinks the same way I do because that's that's very ignorant. But I imagine there's a bit of a challenge with public perception of what is currently happening so with that in mind, like, what, what would you say the challenges are with, because all everything you've just said sounds incredible and like it's taking leaps and bounds in the right direction. But what are the challenges that are stopping it from maybe getting quite as far as it needs to at this point? Yeah, so one interesting thing is like there are technological challenges. When I was talking about a more electric aircraft, that's the first stage. And then we will need to go hybrid electric aircraft and then probably old electric aircraft, not for small aircraft only, but for medium and large aircraft. And the issue is that we will require more power on board and that may require higher voltages, higher power. And we're doing like really intensive research to see how this can be brought on board. So at this time, it's like lots of simulation going on. What will happen if we have bigger cables and higher voltage, 3 kV on board? So we need to do research to start with to see whether those technologies are feasible at simulation level before 
trying to implement it in industry and then probably on the airplane. So there are technological challenges that are being addressed. Like there's so much research going on throughout the world, across sectors from different universities. The thing is, that's one level of the problem. The thing is, if we want to make greener aircraft of the future, we need to have a coordination across sectors in the aerospace, because it's quite complex. We just don't have academia working on it. We have the industry manufacturing the components for the aircraft, and we have regulations and standards that are there for conventional aircraft for now, right? But if we're going more electric, we need those standards, those certification procedures to be updated so that they can actually cope and be applied for hybrid electric and more or all electric aircraft. And that has to be done at the same time. So technological talent is one. This coordination across sector at the aerospace industry level is the second one. And then regulation, certification, then standards. So there's so many aspects of the problem to look at so that together we can actually work and coordinate it to get to the greener future aircraft sooner yeah. rather than later. Why do you think then, if this kind of connecting us amongst all different industries and, and areas of research, it all needs to come together and work together. Why do you think that is a difficulty? Is there a reluctance to cooperate going on there? Or what, what do you think? So I'll probably right now tell you when I, we realise really the problem. I was invited to give a speech about a talk about a project that I, we were doing at the University Tree, the Clean Sky project, at the More Electric Aircraft in Hamburg in 2018. Hmm. And their beautiful thing is like we get to meet people from the aerospace, like airframers, people working with standards and industry, academia, all of the people, the experts are there together. And we met for, for dinner that uh, evening and then we were just talking and it was really like everybody wanted to contribute to design and contribute towards the uh, green aircraft. But we realized that we can't do it on our own. For instance, I've got I'm really working on, on very high level detailed uh, research, right? But then how does that knowledge go to the industry people and yeah. tell them, hey, I found a solution here, but it has to be tested on your system. And then how do they know that the solutions are out there conceptually? So there's that. And then the regulations, people who are working with the standards, they need to know, OK, there are all this kind of technology advances being done. So why do I need to advance my and upgrade those standards? So all of it, we're all working like really seriously, but there needs to be links and those gaps need to be bridged. And I don't think it's really consciously done like that. It's just like, I really think that we need more platforms to be there to make that link so that we get the information, the expert information from one another, so we can actually accelerate the impact of our work. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> I think that that's sorely needed by the sounds of it. So I know as well you're involved with a group called SAIL, the Solutions for Aircraft Electrification Leadership. How does that come into all of this? Yeah, so that evening at uh, the More Electric Aircraft Conference, when we were talking, we were about 12 of us around the table, and we were like, okay, what about if we just keep in contact and create that network that we require to get information from another? And that's how it started. It was just like a light bulb moment. That's what we require. I need to know what you as an airframer needs from me, a researcher, what the industry people need, what the standards people here. And around the table, we had those experts there. And we we're like, okay, let's just do it. Let's just be in contact. And then we came back with all these cards. And then we started this network and we called it SAIL, the Solutions for Aircraft Electrification Leadership. And that's how it started. And from that moment onward, it just worked. And uh, there are four people in, in particular, and I like to name them. It's Oliver Pissick from Donier. And then there is uh, Tim Combs from uh, Cambridge University and Rodney Mack from Crane, aerospace industry in the US. 
So uh, we had regular meetings and then we said, okay, we're going to do workshops. You get all these experts around tables and it's a, it's a free event. We just invite people to come to brainstorm to see what we can get from each other. And that's how it started. And we have done like three workshops up to now, which I'd like to talk about as well. Please do. <laughs> yeah. So the first time we organized uh, the first workshop, it was in Nottingham in 2019. And we had all these experts coming from different parts of the world, different industry. And together we just said, okay, what is the mission and vision that we want to create if we want to work together? And then we also had the challenges. What are the challenges that each sector is facing? So we had that. And then the, the second workshop we went into, what are the critical challenges that we need to address to actually design in like plane? We've done that. And the interesting bit is like during lockdown, we actually went online and we had seven workshops uh, online where we actually identified all the solutions that we are working on for different challenges. And overall, for all these workshops, we've got like around 100 experts from all over the world that came together. And it's just beautiful to see the engagement. We had it like at 3.30 p.m. in the UK to uh, cater for the time difference for experts in the U.S. We've got many people from the U.S. And then there was also one expert from Japan and it was midnight and but he was there with us. And I was just like, that's really very that's nice. Commitment. That's, that's commitment. <laughs> There's also something that I'd like to add about the Queen's speech for COP26. It was quite cool. And she said, like, the history has shown that when nations come together in common cause, there is always room for hope. And that's kind of what we we're trying to do to make people come from different fields of aerospace to make green aviation happen. <laughs> oh, that's really nice. Really incredible. Such important work. Thank you for, for telling me about that. What would you say then at this point are the next steps in getting further down this line? What What's the next steps that we should do? Yeah, so for I'll talk for sale for the time being. Like We've gathered uh, really very meaningful data from all the experts that came for the workshops. And what I plan to do is we have gathered all of that knowledge in an operating model. It's actually a fishbone structure, which is quite an interesting structure because it starts with a fishbone showing the different sectors of which we have identified as being key. For instance, power electronics, electrical machines, thermal management on board, regulations, and then we have power distribution and air framers and the environment in, in general. So we've got these key topics around the fishbone. And then if you go deeper in it, you find what are the needs of those stakeholders? What do they need? Okay, for me, power distribution, I need higher voltage and higher power. Okay, so that's another link of the fishbone. And if you go deeper in it, it just tells you, yeah, but there are challenges that I need to uh, cater for. And in that fishbone, it goes into showing you the, the challenges and then once you go deeper in the challenges, it shows you, it just expands again to show you what are the solutions that we're working on and that have been gathered through the workshops there. So it's really like a multidimensional, you know, interactive operating model that we've, we've got. And then it also works with a traffic light system. So the part of the fishbone that is red, it tells you that it's really critical. So if you've got resources, if you want funding, just really uh, solve this problem. And yellow can wait a bit and green is like, oh, we've got it, really. So it's also colourful to tell you the priorities. So we've got all that, but the next step would be to actually put it online mm -hmm. on a website where people can access it. And a very important part of sale is that it's an open source. Yeah. So the information is there for the whole aerospace sector. So you can just go in and see, OK, what is that that interests you? And the good thing is like you'd also know through that fishbone, through the operating model, 
what are the different people working on it, the different experts, the different industry. They'll have their work linked to it. So what we can use it for is like one is like to know where to inject the financial and technological resources to solve a problem, but also to find how we can find a global cooperation across sectors in that fishbowl. Okay, I need aerospace, uh, the airframer, and then power distribution system. And you'll know who are working on that and then have this link between them. So, uh, yes, that's the first bit to have it uh, online and interactive. And the second thing is that we have started writing the technical papers so that we can actually get the message out there, how much we have already. And then the third thing would be to find funding from international sources, UK, Europe, so that we can start joint international cooperation to solve those critical challenges that actually need to be solved. And eventually, once we have the solutions, is like to have an open source design of it'll be large passenger aircraft, but to start with perhaps a, a regional aircraft as well online and accessible mm. to everybody. So that's kind of the next steps we're working on. Oh, that's amazing. I was going to ask when you were describing the fishbone earlier about whether or not I could go and see it. So, I, so I'm very encouraged that, that part of the steps is to get that get that online, get that open source, because I, I would be so interested to be able to have a look at that. And yeah, just having everything open source. Yeah, I applaud you for that. That would be that would be incredible. So wearing that in mind, you, and you're saying that sale is already open source. Where would I go? Where would people listening go to be able to see that? Yeah, just on that point, there's something very important that I can add now. It's that for sale, people who are joining us, they are working for industry. They are working on very high level projects, but they do not have to disclose any confidential information to us when during the workshops. Because we all, as experts, have our personal knowledge and experience, and that's what we want. It's like, bring that to the workshop and contribute, and then make your work be known, and then get to know other people working. So it's very important, like, okay, this about IP, it's not there. So it's very open, so that we can build that network of experts. So the information is not confidential, it's just like being shared openly, and nobody has to share it confidential information and we are actually constructing the website which is not there yet so that's our next step and once it is there it will be on our website and people can just access it to see the information so it's really a work on the progress i'd really like to see that very soon myself yeah oh that's brilliant so if that updates further down the line please do let me know and i'll see if i can get it out there in the show notes this description when it does happen but in the meantime, I know you've written a couple of blogs for us for COP26 as well. So if you look in the show notes, you'll also find links to those. Is there anywhere else you would recommend, Sharma, that people go just to get more information at the moment? Yes. So if you just Google the University of Nottingham and then SAIL, S-A-E-L, then it should just come up. So we've got a landing page in the Institute of Aerospace Technology for SAIL. It gives you the vision of SAIL and what we've done and also email addresses. And so you can join us because what's good about SAIL is that people join like voluntarily and they really engage and they really want to work together. So if you really want to join us, I'd really like you just to contact me or Oliver, Tim or Rodney and our contact addresses are uh, on the website. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Charmella. Uh, thank you again for joining me and talking about all of this. It's been a really interesting discussion. A lot in there that I didn't quite realise. I feel like I had this baseline knowledge and you've just kind of lifted me up. So thank you so much. And I hope that's the same for everyone listening as well. So yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Knowledge Engaged. 
Please take a look in the show notes to this episode and you'll find all the links mentioned during the episode, including a link to where you can find out more about sale, as Shah Miller mentioned. We're drawing to the end of COP26 now, but we still have one final COP26 themed episode for you coming up tomorrow, so do keep an eye out for that. Thank you for listening. <laughs>